And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Coach, what'd you do with your summer vacation? Austin Pyres. Welcome back to Cowboys Camp, y'all. We're getting through this thing out in Oxnard. We've got the athletic out there. John Mishota, Saw Yusuf, covering the Cowboys. Make sure you're subscribed to the athletic at theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. Get that discount. You're going to get all of their writing throughout the season. But you know what? You get all of the athletics other writing as well. Maybe you want to check out what's going on with this messy situation in the MLS. Got a lot of coverage on that. Formula One, golf, NBA. Tons of stuff happening on The Athletic. Right now is the time. Do it. Theathletic.com slash about them cowboys. Get that thing locked in for the season. And you're going to want Dane Brugler's draft guide when the season ends. So go ahead and subscribe. Welcome back. We're going to be talking the latest out from Oxnard. I'm Kent Producing. Welcoming back to the hosting chair, Kevin KT Fun Tweets or Fun X Turner. What's up, KT? I was debating whether to change that, and I thought it might be bad. Um, it could insinuate other things. Um, <laughs> hello, Kent. Um, What's up? I'm, I'm happy to be here, um, although I do wish I was not in the 108 degrees and I was out living in California like our fellas. We got, you, guys are, you guys are killing it out there in beautiful weather. What's the deal? Love it, man. This is my, uh, my favorite place to be. And, um, I think even if it was perfect weather in Texas, I still would love coming out here. It just kind of breaks up the summer. And, uh, I hope that they keep coming here over and over again for a long, long time. Yeah. It's my first time being out here and everything, everything I ever heard about it was, was absolutely true. And, you know, it's, it's just different when you're, when you're out here and you're not, melting away and you're actually I feel like I'm actually a better reporter because of it because I'm not worried about you know all the elements and I'm just watching football and it's a great time has John been showing you all the spots sides like oh follow me show you how a real real reporter does this John John is uh John is one of the people that I'm watching like you know I'm watching all the players and I'm watching John you should you should see this man live he's on a mission he's He's a machine it's it's he's something to witness. Up and down this, yeah. He's marching up and down the sidelines. He's got all the angles. He knows exactly where to be when the team goes to what drill. And, and, uh, and you know, we're all better for it if you follow him on Twitter. Well, no, I, I mean, you mentioned that. I appreciate that. Um, that's the other thing that's great about here is that we get to be really close to the field, whereas, you know, if they're doing training camp in San Antonio like they've done in the past or – like you'll see side when we do some of those camp practices out at the star, you just aren't able to be as close to the field as you are out here. So, I mean, 
like for example today you know we we're on that uh, far right field and they ran this they ran this outside like sweet play to Deuce Vaughn and he's running right at us with with Tyron Smith right in front of him and there's not a ton of room on the sideline between you and getting smashed into a wall and so it's just I don't know man just when you're down there it's just a totally different perspective it's awesome you know, it's, it's always good when I think, well, I say it's good, I don't know, but I feel like when training camp doesn't have one huge story, and maybe it would be a little different if Zach Martin was someone else, but because he is steady Zach Martin, and because he's very trustworthy, I guess, as a 10-year veteran almost, it's almost like he'll be here and then we'll panic about it, you know, maybe when we're a week out, at least when it comes to his contract. John, you, you wrote a story that's up um, for everyone to check out about Micah Parsons. And I think that's like where I want to start today. We don't have one singular number one cowboy story. After the Diggs deal got done, even the opening press conference was seemingly an hour and a half shorter than usual. It almost feels like it's kind of good. Like it kind of goes with the path of the offseason too. Quiet, head down. Let's go to work, do some business. It's not really the sexy cowboy's way, but it is kind of, it seems to be a little bit of the theme so far. Yeah, I'd say if you went back a few months and you said, you know, if I you go back a few months and I tell you, hey, Zach Martin's possibly going to hold out the start of camp. At that point, so a few months back, the same storylines then are kind of similar to the biggest ones here. And that's obviously the changes on offense with Kellen Moore now being in uh, L.A., and then you have a new offensive coordinator, Mike McCarthy, calling the play. So that's one. Two is, yeah, you still have big question marks at kicker. Same. Ezekiel Elliott's gone, so you got questions about the depth at running back. That still remains the same. And then with the Zach Martin thing, it's offensive line. And even with Zach, it's the depth of the offensive line is the biggest question mark. So I think those are the four key things there because when you mentioned like Micah Parsons, like, yeah, Micah Parsons is wrecking shop out here, you know, and we kind of expected that. And when you go and get Stefan Gilmore and you draft Mozzie Smith in the first round, this is clearly going to be an outstanding defense. So really all the question marks are on offense and then at the kicking position. So yeah, not a lot has changed and knock on wood, um, they've been able to stay relatively healthy and avoid, you know, when you're on Twitter throughout training cramp, it, it just seems like you're seeing one carted off guy after another and you're always just kind of wondering like, oh, well, when is that going to happen? Just because it's football and, you know, there's a bunch of guys running around. Things are going to happen. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I, you know, I, yeah, I agree with you. There hasn't been a lot of big surprises. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, I think in that regard, though, you also you also uh, measure things by expectations. And, like, with Micah Parsons, you know, we talked about this on a previous podcast, too. I, I mean, it, it hasn't been – I don't. I don't think his his performance has been really surprising in any way, but um, but it still has been just as impressive, um, if not more. I think when I watch him and when we're uh, when we're you know watching plays uh, unfold in team drills, it's almost unfair to him because of how how restricted the defense is. I mean, I, I like some of these plays that you see, some of these great catches and Dak rolling out. Feel like they wouldn't even happen if this was live action because of how great Micah Parsons is and how how quickly he gets back there. Yeah, and from and from uh, you know John's story, and I don't want to give too much of it away. I want you all to go click on it and uh, and read it. You know, 
But the uh, the one red flag, which is also very Micah and funny, is just the idea that he's been warned every single day. Don't get close to Dak's legs. Although, that's got to be every team who has that, you know. One player just goes a little too hard. One play gets a little close to the legs of the quarterback. But also, Micah does feel like you do need to watch that very closely because he is ready to go at all times. I'm I'm looking for. I mean, I don't know, John. Would you say he just, he looks bigger? I mean, even in videos I've seen, he looks a little bigger. I'm terrible with that stuff. Um, when a, I mean, like if a guy gains like 15, 20 pounds, I'll notice it. But if it's only like five or six, I'm, I really rarely ever notice that. And I haven't really noticed any major difference in body size with Micah. My thing with him is he there's the season doesn't start for another month and he's like revved up like ready to go right now and there's a part of me that wonders you know how you almost have to protect him from himself like you don't want him to peak too early you know you don't want him like like for example like two days ago we're, we're sitting there on saturday watching a practice and they're doing individual drills where they're wearing a boxing glove and they're going to punch the ball loose well, he goes with this like wild haymaker, jams his wrist and like throws the glove to the ground and is like yelling. And, I, and you're just watching, you're just like, uh, he might've damaged his wrist right there. Like, this isn't good. But, you know, and I asked him after practice about it and he said he was just, you know, he, I can't remember if he said he was being stupid, but he just basically was was not doing the drill the right way. And, and it just like, he's just so dominant right now that you almost got to find ways to like protect him from himself from not like doing too much because he absolutely like, there's no doubt he can, he can wreck a game and do it immediately if you want to play tomorrow. And you guys remember uh, when he was a rookie, the hard knocks in that first preseason game where they had to like, they had to bottle him up on the sideline. He like wanted to go back in and, and they just wouldn't let him. And I think at the time we all thought of that as just like, you know, him being a kid and, being really excited with the NFL. He's he's the exact same way still here in year 3 going in all pro like two-time all pro everything. He still has that same vibe. I was thinking about that recently with just like, you know, I think at the time I thought it like either he was he was just really young and excited about the NFL or maybe he knew the cameras were on him and he just wanted to show how much he wanted it, but that's just who he is and he's still he's still to that level right now as a as a, going into his third year. You know, uh, Sod, are you working on a, a story on one of the kickers? I know that's been an unfortunate storyline in camp so far. Uh, Tristan Viscaino and then uh, Brandon Aubrey. Uh, are you working on a story there? Yeah, I, I mean, not not a not like a full story, not like a, a full expose or anything. But yeah, I, you know, it's up right now on the on the website. If you know, if you want to go check it out, it just you know, I talked to I talked to Brandon Aubrey today, talk, and we you know we were all there talking to Jerry Jones. Um, just very interesting, I guess, the public, uh, stance that Jerry Jones and, and I guess the Cowboys in general are taking, which is, you know, I think Jerry Jones literally quoted saying he's very comfortable with Brandon Aubrey, not just with Brandon Aubrey being the only kicker in camp, but I think his exact quote was they very comfortable going into the season with Brandon Aubrey as kicker. And, you know, I'm, I, I, I understand you have to say that publicly because your players might read it and. You want to make sure that you're not shaking any confidence for, of anybody um, out in the media, but there's no way that you can be very confident with Brandon Aubrey uh, right now. It, it was Monday was his first practice without uh, with him being the only kicker in camp, and he missed a kick from 43 yards and he missed another kick from 44 yards. Now he made seven of nine, but I 
feel like if you're very I, I feel like the bar for being very comfortable um with a kicker going into the season should be that he's near automatic from you know within 50 yards yeah, you know, I want to I want to read something I saw this morning because it made me think about the Cowboys kicker situation. And I know we all follow a bunch of you know different accounts. This is this is a stat of uh, I mean an account, uh, and I'm sure you guys follow it too. It's at Cowboys Stats. And I'll just read you a quick a couple quick tweets here. He's very quickly what he was kind of saying because I don't know that that I agree uh, fully, but keep in mind this is coming from the mind of a person who is heavily ensconced in analytics. It's okay to have a below-average kicker. You just need to be pretty sure you have an NFL-quality kicker. It's not just about kicking less. It's that so much of a kicker's impactful scoring potential is determined by the distance, field weather conditions, and the fickle nature of fate on any given kickoff. Even if we credited all the variants, the difference between a fringe top-five kicker and a fringe bottom-five kicker is something like three missed field goals per year once you account for the situation. And I like go, yeah... But then I immediately go, we can't get the yips in the playoffs again if you want to be taken seriously. You just can't. Like, it's, I feel bad for Maher that he went through that. And that's where I was wondering, like, I'm pulling for Brandon Aubrey here, uh, just in learning some of his ties, you know, things like that. Even the Dak Prescott, you know, connection from a few years ago. Very interesting. Pulling for Brandon Aubrey, that'd be great. When you have the greatest chance probably that you've ever had, and this might be what this year is, God, it'd be such a shame if some special teams BS ruined it for you. And, you know, they got time to go get a kicker, I guess, but it's just interesting. I don't know, like, why you wouldn't go ahead and just shore that up now. Like, what are you waiting on? Wouldn't you just go ahead and get it covered? Well, I think I think part of it has to do with the fact that, you know, Obviously, you want your operation to be smooth. You wanted everything to be in sync with your holder, long snapper, all that stuff. But this isn't necessarily, you know, you going trying to get your starting quarterback or a receiver who needs to be on in rhythm with your quarterback. Um, the other thing is that when you look at the options, I think if they don't go with Brandon Aubrey when the season starts, it's not going to be. It's I, I can't imagine, and John John can correct me if I'm wrong, but like. I can't imagine that they're going to go into it with another young kicker if it's not Aubrey. I feel like at that point, you look at Ryan Suckup, you look at Mason Crosby, you look at um, even Brandon McManus, who ironically uh, Brett Mars uh, replacing. But then to me, you talk about these guys and they're all there for a reason. The guy that I am like, you know, fixated on is Robbie Gould. And he's, he's still out there. And I think he he is somebody that, you know, 27 of 32 last year. He's a fine kicker for the 49ers. So he's a fine kicker, eighth most accurate kicker in NFL history. Like he has the pedigree. I don't like, he's not, he's not awful by any stretch of the imagination. It's not often that you have that. But my point is, is to your point of why not get it done now? I think, I think you have that. Uh, the only thing you're fighting is a, another team potentially scooping uh, Robbie Gould up or something like that. But um really need I don't think Robbie Gould needs that practice time or something like that so that that's my only defense for why they wouldn't do it already can yeah, I also that's the say one thing with the with the veteran oh, go on well so real quick McManus got scooped up by the Jaguars so he, he right. uh, already got taken um yeah. and, and then on the I was just say this real quick like Maher last year was good at knocking it through you know the end zone 78 percent touchback percentage Robbie Gould under 50%. Mason Crosby, 
20%. But isn't that why you hire a guy like Fossil? Like, we should be able to uh, cover kicks. We have a special teams coach who's known as having a lot of say, you know, and things like that. So it's very kind of a, it's very, it's interesting. Like if you get one of those older guys, you're going to have to cover kicks. Yeah. And I think they would rather not have to go down that route, but they know that it's out there and it's not one that you need the guy to be in camp for two weeks to make sure he's ready to go. Like usually those guys can step in that have been doing it for a long time and are pretty solid and, you know, their whole approach and what they do, how they go about their day, how they prepare. I just think it's interesting how they let go Viscano, but they don't bring in anybody else as competition. See, like last year when they could see early in camp that Garibay wasn't the guy, they immediately started working out Maher and a few other kickers. The fact that they just want to leave it to Aubrey right now to go into this preseason game, um, it might be just a mental thing. Like, let's see... If we put all of our, we make it look like we're putting all our faith in him. Let's see what he does on Saturday against the Jags. And if he plays well, then we'll keep rolling with that. If he's awful in that game, then when they come back out here that following week, then you'll probably see multiple kickers out there um, giving it giving it a go and, and trying to come up with some competition. So, yeah, I don't think that you need to have Justin Tucker, but last two years going to training camp, I think you got to do a little bit better than what the Cowboys have. I mean, even last year, they signed Maher in the middle of training camp, and that was their kicker for the season. So this is the second straight year, unless unless Aubrey actually does make it out and is the kicker. If it's not Aubrey, this is going to be the second straight year that they didn't have the, their kicker when training camp began. It does make you wonder, you know, knowing that McCarthy has a, a relationship with Mason Crosby, that the name you mentioned earlier, I mean, Robbie Gould too, but like indoors sometimes – more than kicking in Green Bay. So maybe that 20% touchback percentage goes up 30%, you know, uh, with half your games being indoors, maybe. But, uh, you know, there was a lot of there was a lot of returns with the guys catching the ball at the eight-yard line, and you're like, holy cow, we got to get down there. We're giving them so much field position. So, well, right, we knocked out the kicker's topic because I know there's some people who just got to roll their eyes at kicker talk. I think it's highly important. You're you're dead on, KT. Yeah, it could derail everything. I mean, it could be... Well, and Cy got a chance to talk to Aubrey today, and from I wasn't over there. I was with Stefan Gilmore, but from what Sad told me, I mean, Aubrey sounds like he'll be filling up the quote book there because he's real <laughs> wild. He says crazy stuff. Oh, um, let's go. He, he didn't, uh, which then made me say, what kickers really do, and... We were talking about it for a little bit. It was Nisad and Todd Archer. Vanderjack's name came up. I wonder if you guys had any of that you can think of that or just because mostly kickers are type of where they're like kind of seen and not heard in the locker room. But I'm trying to think of like wasn't the Grammatica guy like in everybody's face all the time too? Yeah. Yeah, I guess a little yeah, bit, yeah. In a different way. You know, I thought that was just more the the celebration. Tucker's got <laughs> Tucker's got some personality. Tucker has absolutely got personality. Um, yeah, not kickers are there to do their job and go home. <laughs> you know, it's, and that's and why sometimes it's like, not even that. Yeah, and sometimes not that. Um, okay, so let's go to uh, first of all. What do you guys think? Uh, start with you, John. What do you think of the Malik Hooker contract? I was surprised just by the timing of it. I thought that would be something that they would try and get done uh, after the season's over. You know, he's he's entering the final year of his contract. Just figured that would be something that we would hear about in March. 
but they obviously wanted to get that taken care of. And so the natural thing you look at is you're like, okay, so you got Donovan Wilson locked up, you have Malik Hooker locked up. Like, are they going to do the same thing with J. Ron Curse? And Jerry Jones was asked about that today, and, and he didn't want to comment on where they would be with J. Ron Curse. J. Ron's a little bit older, but if he has a big year, I don't understand why they wouldn't want to bring all three of those back. And they might still do that, but I think that was the first thing I thought of. And then the second was just how far they've come at the safety position to just not that long ago, within the last three years, where you know they just they had the lowest amount of investment in the safety position of anybody in the NFL, at really any position in the NFL. And so now they've transitioned that from safety to, to kicker, um, where they probably have the least amount invested at that position over the last couple of years. But yeah, they've really upgraded at safety. And I think the biggest takeaway from that is just a difference in philosophy between Rob Marinelli and what he wanted, and then what obviously Dan Quinn has uh, a lot more value at that position with the way he uses those safeties, you know, like linebackers in a way and, and, and has three interchangeable guys and even a fourth in Israel Mukwamu, who they look at as like starting caliber. It's just interesting how fast it's gone from a team weakness to one of the team's strengths. Yeah. And, and uh, to piggyback on John's point, courtesy of our, of our good friend, Dave Hellman, um, th- this was a stat that, that really blew my mind. Contract guarantees between the Cowboys and, and safeties. 2010 to 2022 so that's more than a decade 12 years the guarantees at safety 15.3 million dollars the guarantees this year 2023 alone 30 million dollars so it's twice the guarantee in 11 fewer years like it's it's crazy how how much the emphasis has really shifted and to me it's also the personnel as well i mean you know i, I my first day out here I was telling I was telling John I was like man J Ron Curse is, is a lot bigger than I than he looks on on uh, when you're just watching I guess even on TV or even in person I mean you watch him practice he plays big <clears throat> Israel Mukwamu, same thing um, I I kind of felt like he was a he was a tall you know rangy guy but um, they you know they have a commitment financially and I also think they have quite a bit of talent there too Yeah I was I was surprised about the contract well, just just the history of their investments at the position. <laughs> it almost seemed like the way they scrambled to piece it together would make you go, we don't really have to splurge here. And um, But I think sometimes, too, I could be wrong, and I don't want to, you know, I could I, – I, sometimes your memories of how you scouted a guy eight years ago or seven or six years ago from Malik Hooker sticks with you a little longer, too. And like you always had this belief in him, and it's like now it's got it. I, hey, I've never like mad at anyone for getting their money. So congrats to Malik Cooker on that, who's been through a ton. So good for him. But also, just from a salary cap management standpoint, looking at things, I I thought that was a little out of character for the Cowboys. Put it that way. It was the only thing it, it reminded me of a little bit was when they did the, you know, Zeke was holding out, kind of like Zach is right now. And they went and got the Lyle Collins deal done and the Jalen Smith deal done, uh, you know. And I know Jerry loves Malik Hooker from the day that they signed him. He's been talking about, you know, they wanted to draft him in 2017. They obviously didn't have a pick high enough. You know, he went top, I think, 15, and they didn't draft till Taco at 28. So um, Jerry's always been infatuated with him, and I think that might factor in a little bit. It's just interesting because it's the safety position, you know. And it's also one of those where – you can kind of see the 
on offense, the devaluing of the running back position, I feel like that's kind of at the linebacker spot, your traditional linebackers. It's really not that like that anymore in the NFL with the way teams are spreading out. It's, instead of having more linebackers on the field, you want more safety and more, you know, nickel corners and things like that because it's such a, you know, spread you out, throw on, throw the ball in the perimeter type game. So um, I like both of those players, Donovan Wilson and Malik Hooker, um, but I would really like to see them try and re-sign J. Ron Kurz too. It, can I ask you a question then? Does that does that go? Is that a, is Zach Martin involved in any of this equation? Well, you're, you're talking about the years of the holdouts, and maybe this is our natural segue into the Zach Martin topic. Like, yeah, I, I, it does surprise me. I mean, it's pretty clear that Jerry. I mean, look at Jerry was just in Canton for the Hall of Fame for Demarcus Ware and. You know, he parted ways with Demarcus Ware when a lot of people didn't think he would, and I get that same feeling with Zach Martin, like how dug in he is there with Zach, where all of us sit around and we're sitting there like, why would you let Demarcus Ware go? And we're kind of sit, sit, saying the same thing right now about Zach Martin, like why wouldn't you just take care of Zach Martin? I mean, and again, both these guys, Ring of Honor guys, you know, pro pro football Hall of Fame. I mean, I I don't see how Zach Martin doesn't do both of those as well. And you're just kind of like, man, you're willing to do that there. Like, who aren't you willing to do that with? And on top of it, it's not like you have this, you know, it's not like they took a guard in the first round where you're like, well, then if Zach wants to sit out, that's fine. Then I guess it's that this young kid's turn. It's like, with Zach Martin, the interior of the offensive line is an issue. So without Zach Martin, that's a major hole. So I don't, Jerry's dug in and wants to play hardball right now, but I don't know how you can really go into the season with this current offensive line group. If you if you're Jerry Jones and you're sitting there right now and you're like, I don't care if I don't care if Zach wants to sit out, we can go into week one without Zach and, and we'll be fine. If he's thinking that right now, then he has to be thinking that they have to be making a move for some veteran. There's just no way that he is talking to the coaching staff and is like, No, it'll be fine. Farniak will do it. There what? Yeah. Like, I just I I can't understand that at all. That, I mean, literally, yeah, and, that could be the reason. You want to talk about coming down to Brandon Aubrey missing a kick late in week one? It could come down to just that right guard spot getting wrecked all game, and they can't do anything on offense because of that. Yeah, and 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 with Zach Martin, you know, the, the one public, um, I guess, shrug that Jerry has continuously done and did again um, after practice on Monday is like, well, what if he got hurt? I, and, you know, and and first of all, Zach Martin doesn't get hurt. He got hurt that one year, and that was because they made him switch positions, whatever, he got hurt. But he doesn't get hurt. That's the number one thing. But that's a very that's a very weird, constant thing to come keep coming back to where, he, you know, he said this. This wasn't the first time, but he's, keep say, he's kept saying this, that, well, if he got hurt, we wouldn't have Zach Martin. So, what, so we're just basically going to pretend like he's hurt. Um that's a really, to me, a very strange thing for on a couple of levels. One, because you talk about derailing an entire operation. If Zach Martin's not there and Dak Prescott's getting wrecked, that's another huge investment. If Dak Prescott's getting wrecked, your trade for Brandon Cooks isn't going to pan out to its maximum potential. Your CD Lamb stuff is not going to uh, pan out to maximum potential. Um, all those things uh, are all, it's all tied together. And you know, we can, and another thing, like, you know, it, you, to say that he's just a guard or whatever to look at his position, I mean, look, I know left tackle is the most 
important position after quarterback on an offense, but we all remember what happened against the Atlanta Falcons. It's not, it's not like, uh, it's not like one, one weakness can, you know, that, that it won't wreck your entire game or your entire team because we've seen that happen um, here. Now, again, left tackle, right guard, very different. But my point is, is you lose an all pro, the next guy down, you know, is going to be a struggle. You know what would be nice is if it was like fantasy football and you could, <laughs> even though he's already said that it's not KT, that this offensive line stuff is not fantasy football, they're not moving Zach Martin around. Um, but if it was, and you could just operate in that way, it would be perfect if this team could trade some of its defensive line depth for like a guard or some interior offensive line depth, you know? Uh, Does but, he think you can change players' positions in fantasy? That's not even a thing in fantasy. <laughs> I can't see him being the type that plays fantasy football, to be honest with you. Um, no. But I just yeah. feel like I just feel like when you play fantasy football, if your team needs running backs and you have an extra receiver, it seems like you can always find a team like, oh, they got yeah. they got an extra running back. I'll trade them a receiver and maybe something else, whatever. And I, just, I just look at like today was the first day that the Cowboys put out their unofficial depth chart, you know, and you just look at the depth that they have on the defensive line that when they cut it down to 53, you're like, man, there's going to be some good players that they're going to be, you know, allowing to be out there. And they just need so much help on the interior of the offensive line. It'd be nice if they could package something together and get somebody for that interior of the offensive line. But obviously that's uh, easier said than done. Cause let's be honest, what teams out there really just are like, yeah, did you see that depth chart in Atlanta? They're like two, three deep at every offensive line position. Like that's just not happening. Yeah, that's no. Yeah, no one. And in a salary cap world, it's no one. It's funny in fantasy football, you're talking ten to twelve teams. Like it is amazing how few player for player trades there are in the NFL. I mean, everything is draft compensation. It seems like these days, and it's just uh, well, yeah. I mean, teams got looking ago, at each other. Not that long ago, they had they felt pretty good about what they had at defensive back. And uh, right, I think maybe it was their second preseason game. Remember, right before the game started, they traded Charvarius Ward to Kansas City for Parker Ellinger, offensive lineman. And uh, uh, I think Kansas City won that deal. I chucked that yeah. up on the bad side. Yeah. But, you know, to, 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 to me, though, with Jerry's whole public stance on this, like I said, like, I don't like if you're talking yourself into this, it's just saying like, what would we do if an injury happened? I mean, this is, it's a domino effect. What if Farniak gets hurt? Now, what are you at? I mean, you're, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to use your, the, the injury card in the way that Jerry's doing. And like I said, maybe he's just doing it publicly to show Zach Martin that he's dug in and he doesn't care. But if he actually believes that, that's just a really bad excuse. You know, there's been people in comments of, of my stories over the last couple of years, especially uh, after game stories, because Jerry talks and there'll be people talking about how like, God, would you guys stop talking to him? I hate it when you guys talk to him. I hate, I hate how he always has to talk. And I, when I tweeted out what he said about Martin today, there are a couple of people that commented on that too. Like, man, I wish he didn't talk to the media. And it made me think of like, can you imagine living in a world where, like, after practice today when Jerry wants to talk or after a game, if, like, all of us, the reporters, were like, no, Jerry, Jerry, we can't. Like, the fans hate it when we talk. We got to go, Jerry. No, no, no. We appreciate it. We got to get out of here. Jerry, we can't talk to you. They're going to get so mad That would be actually a really funny bit is if he <laughs> wanted to t- talk and y'all all conspired and be like, we're good. 
Uh, that, he'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest with you. There's no way that would happen. I'll be honest with you. It will never, it'll never <laughs> thanks, happen. Thanks, Jerry, but we're fine. It'll like, never happen. It would never happen with me where I would not talk to him. I might not write what he said, um, but in terms of talking to him, there's no way he's too entertaining to talk to. Like, there's just, because never, like even today, like it never stays just about football. Like today he had a couple of, I think they were executives from, um, uh, what's it called? Can't think of Netflix up in his, uh, you know, little tower above the fields or whatever. And so just in talking to him about that after it was over and how, like, I mean, these two executives are, they're younger. They're a lot younger than Jerry. They're probably half Jerry's age. And just like how he still is trying to learn like all kinds of different business things and still hungry for that information. And when he talks about some of that stuff in the business world, stuff, I find that fascinating. Now I'm not going to write all of it or anything like that, but I just like hearing some of those stories. So I don't think I would ever just completely walk away from him, but I could see being like, all right, don't even write that. You're just going to piss people off, you know? But I'm still yeah, going to write it, he, so sorry. When, when he was talking about the kickers today, too, like, first of all, he, he called it the yipes, which was... He's which been was doing that lately, yeah. I know. If Jerry started he a podcast, the, would it be the biggest podcast of all time? Yeah. Pretty big. Maybe. <laughs> Just I mean, him talking for an hour? I mean, I would listen to the hell out of that thing. No, Taylor Swift. To, nah, you, you'd have to have a host because you're going to need someone to steer it back on. Yeah, a host, but Jerry, it's just Jerry's takes on everything. Yeah, sure. Jerry talks Taylor Swift. Jerry talks UFOs, you know, whatever is going on. Mick Riddles. I would, say, I would say that podcast would get banned. Um, <laughs> Probably would. It'd be like offensive. Jerry, Jerry would say. Explicit. Jerry would, get, Jerry would get himself canceled. Nah, there's a platform <laughs> for everybody. It seems like he would just, there would be a platform that would want it for sure. Um, Would would you pay for it? That's a million dollar idea right there. Covering the Cowboys, yeah, absolutely. It'd be part of my job. There's no question I would. Do you reckon? I might even not. You almost want him to not talk about the Cowboys. Like, no, Jerry, we want you to talk about everything but the Cowboys. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think about, what do you think about the, uh, you know, the, the chances of the Chiefs repeating. Like, get him talking about other teams, too. Yeah. It's funny. I thought about Mick Riddle. How many times have they probably been pitched a reality show? Like the Kardashians or something? The Jones oh, multiple family. Multiple times, for sure. Multiple times, but I wonder if it was like a half-assed pitch. Because I do think if the pitch was right, I, I think he would find a way to say yes. I think there's he really loved, nothing I can. Th- there's nothing I can think of that you could ask him that he wouldn't say something. Yeah, I got nothing to say on that. Like, Ooh. you could literally walk up to him and go, what do you think, like, Barbie or Oppenheimer? Like, where do you... <laughs> well, it's like his opening press conference. He was like, yeah, I'm not talking about Zach Martin. And, you know, and he left it at that. And, I mean, I was naive, I guess, at that point to be like, wow, he's just not going to talk about Zach Martin now. And, you know, of course, he to be very clear, he's, he doesn't come out and talk about it. But at this point, when we ask him about it, he's he's talking about it now. He he doesn't mind. It's, it's I also saw it. one of the most interesting things. I'll always think back on Jerry and my time covering him is just when it comes to stuff like this Zach Martin thing. You just got to remember that he's such a successful businessman that he thinks he can win every negotiation. He can win every argument. He can win everything when it comes to business. And the thing I, that I was going to mention that I'll always remember is just like. After that last DAC contract being at that press conference, of course he was happy to get this finally get this deal done with his franchise quarterback, but 
not only did he say it, but you could just see in his body language that he knows that he lost that deal. Like he wasn't able to, that got everything. He got the no trade clause. They can't, they can't franchise tag him again. He got 40 over four years when Jerry and them wanted to go more than four years. They didn't want to have to go only four. Dak got everything out of that. There's, I mean, he completely won that thing. And that's, that might be the only time I've ever seen Jerry where it was just like, you know, that he absolutely lost the deal and was pretty open about it that, yeah, well, this is what you got to do. And I think he's ready to lose a deal again on Dak. Whereas I don't think with Zach Martin, I think he's pretty dug in, but I think he knows that with Dak and his contract and Dak being the quarterback and how few franchise quarterbacks there are and Dak having that 60 million on the, on the uh, counting against the cap next year, like Dak has so much leverage. um, And he knows with where those quarterback contracts are going, they pay him so much that, uh, he's going to have to, he's going to end up, there's going to be another press conference and he's going to be acting the same exact way because he's going to have to give him even more money. And it's not going to be the type of deal that, that Jerry wants to get done. He just has to do it because it's that position. I, yeah. And, and the, the position thing is huge. I do think like Dak being a quarterback versus Zach Martin being a guard. I mean, Zach Martin is, I don't know. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but, but I think he's probably way better at his job than Dak is at his job. Oh, there's no um, doubt about that. Right. Yeah. Like, there's no question. And so, um, so I, you know, it's all about the position and, and there's, you know, when you're, and you see this, you see this, you know, when you have these owners, for example, like this is a different sport, but Mark Cuban is the same like business, you know, arrogance or whatever. But you then, when it comes down to Luca, you know, Mark Cuban is, is kind of, you know, on his knees and like, yes, whatever you, whatever you want to do, you like, you know, we're all, we're going to cater to you. And then, and then, you know, any other player, he's not, he's not going to be the same way. So I think these, these owners that are made out of, or businessmen, I should say, that are made out of this kind of cloth there, you know, there is a limit to it. Well, and they're so successful. So they, they've won so many deals that that's why they act that way. You know, it'd be hard to act that way if you were constantly get worked over and you've filed for bankruptcy a bunch of times, you know, but they've had so much success that that feeds in that's gasoline on the fire. None, no doubt. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, and I, I, um, I think there's like, I almost like excuse Jerry from some of like personnel things uh, over time, but I also was wondering if he's thinking about, well, look at all of my, my like offensive linemen who have gotten hurt, or, you know, Travis was a weird thing. Tyron's gotten hurt. If he is thinking that way about the whole getting hurt thing, it's like, well, why didn't you guys draft an offensive lineman? Yeah. And that's where I want to take it to the draft now. Uh, let's talk about some of these guys. Mozzie Smith, we'll start with him. How's he looked out there, John? Oh, I thought you wanted to do like a 2024 mock draft right now. <laughs> Not quite ready for that okay. yet. Okay. Um, I wish I could give you a lot more other than Caleb Williams, he, one. <laughs> there you go. I, I wish I could give you a lot more other than that. He's a big, strong man who's getting double teamed a lot. Um, but in talking to Jerry today, I thought it was interesting when he was asked, you know, who are you most looking forward to watching on Saturday in that first preseason game? And he said, Mozzie Smith. And I couldn't agree with him more. That would be number one on my list too, just because the way practice is structured you know, when they even get into the drills where they're fully padded and they're doing the running game stuff, like he certainly looks the part, but that really isn't translating to what you're going to do on Sunday. Not only on just one or two given plays, but just the fact of like, you're not really tackling to the ground, having to get back up, play the next, you know, play, things like that. I'm interested to see how that looks on Saturday. He'll be playing against other, I did see that Trevor Lawrence is supposed to start. So I would imagine that, you know, they're not going to throw Trevor Lawrence out there without his first team offensive line for a little bit. But I, for me, and I don't know where you're at on this with Saad, but like for me, if I'm looking at the entire roster and you're like, you know, rank who you really are looking forward to watching on Saturday. Mozzie Smith is so much farther ahead of everybody else. Like he is my clear cut number one, just because I want to see how he shows up. And I do expect him to get a decent amount, you know, of snaps. And so um, nothing major yet. I mean, he's obviously won some one-on-ones, but I mean, don't you think that Mozzie Smith should win one-on-ones against Matt Farniak? Like, I don't think that, you know, that's anything earth shattering, but he looks the part, big dude, strong, um, but he's getting double teamed a ton. And what he does best is not really great for the, to show off in a, in a training camp environment, but Saturday should be interesting. Yeah, I think I think for me it's the same thing with Mozzie Smith. I think he's he's definitely number one. I think any, any of those trench guys, like for me, even Tyler Smith, for example, even though I know what he what he can do and what what he's capable of, but I mean, you see him bulldozing some people, and 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 even when you see these things happen, like uh, who was that the other day? Uh, or uh, the guy that you know had a big hit. Um, uh, you know, on the side, on the field with, uh, by the fans, by the stands. Oh, Tyler Coyle, the um, safety? Tyler Coyle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you see that big hit. Sure. You can get excited, but like, you don't know how much 
the offensive player was bracing for the hit. No way. Just kind of letting up. On that play, there's like, no way he was expecting that. No way. So, so like, you know, so it's hard to make too much of that. And so, like, for all these things, I, you know, Mozzie Smith for me and, and you know, KT, I, I guess if you're staying on the draft, another guy I'll throw out there, for me with Deuce Vaughn, Deuce Vaughn has looked good in returning kicks, running, pass catching, everything. But, man, when we watch, and, and I, I singled this out today to John as well at one point, some plays where I like it feels like if they were live action going full speed, he would get absolutely obliterated in pass protection. Like it was a play today where I felt like Sam Williams in a live in a live game setting would have just abs- would have would have like you know just rolled right over him. And so I'm really curious to see. You know the Cowboys seem very high on Deuce Vaughn otherwise in terms of his instincts and running and all that stuff. But all these players, whether it's Mozzie or Deuce Vaughn particularly in pass protection, Tyler Smith, all these guys like point of contact players is kind of what I'm most looking forward to. And, and in, in regards to the other guys, at, you know, at the top of the draft, Luke Schoonmaker just came back to practice today. You know, he just got pulled off the NFI list. And so that's a good sign, but he hasn't been really practicing at all. They're not going to throw him out there on Saturday. He has a ways to go to get caught up. Now he was moving around pretty well today doing individual drills and, you know, Dak was throwing when they were running routes on air and things like that. And he looks like he's in a pretty good spot, but I think he's still dealing with that plantar fasciitis to the point where they're not going to throw him into one of these games right away. So then that moves down to third round pick DeMar Marvion overshown. And he had a really strong finish to practice. Um, on Saturday, uh, intercepting a couple of passes. One got called back because I believe it was an offsides in the defense. And then a few plays later, he ended practice with a nice interception where he tipped it up in the air and he was actually on his back on the ground and caught it. And he's been flashing lately. So Overshone is definitely a guy I want to see, another guy that will play quite a bit because, you know, I was telling Saad this when we were walking uh, to the car after practice and it was, you know, when Jerry's asked about what players he wants to watch, he's talking, he talks Mozzie Smith. And then right after that, he's talking about Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup. And like, we're talking about like, I don't even want to see Brandon Cooks or Michael Gallup in these preseason games, you know, like yeah. put out these rookies. Let's, you know, there's just certain players, you know what you have there. Keep moving. Yeah. I, I, there's a, it's like patience. And then right. taking it down from four preseason games to three for a reason. Like, you know, we're all good. Now, Schoonmaker, gosh, how bad is this? I mean, are we? There's a part of me. It's like, okay, good. I, there's no question. Like Jake Ferguson's your starting tight end, and we can go with that and roll. There's of the obvious part of it that is like, can we not get a second round pick ever? I mean, yeah. Oh, Trayvon Diggs actually just gave him a big contract. But you, what a weird curse! Um, it seems like on day two of the draft lately, in a couple you, of these are, positions, and Schoonmaker. Are you saying they should have went for Osiris Torrance? It drives me insane, and it's the career I'll be watching the most. And I don't know why every year I have to follow the career of another player and compare them, but maybe that's just human nature. Will, you be, following, that happens. will you be following him closer, closer? What are we doing here? Will you be following his his career closer than you will be following what Kellen Moore does with the Chargers? Okay, way more interested in the Kellen Moore thing. I think the, Char- <laughs> I too, yeah. I think the Chargers are about to light it up. I, uh, it's it's weird, and I'm not telling you they're going to go win a Super Bowl. I'm definitely not saying that. It works cut out for you if you go to the AFC. God knows. Pretty pretty fascinated with the AFC ends up, 
By the way, we should, before we get the season going, we should make some, some maybe some formal division and maybe playoff predictions as we do every year. Um, maybe we'll do that in the next episode because I, uh, I just got a, I got a feeling there's that interesting mark on the Cowboys schedule that involves the 49ers game. The uh, near that time is the game with the Jets and Aaron Rodgers and the Chargers game. And it's just like, there's just games that, you know, Mike McCarthy is going to be amped up for. These are what I would call mojo moment games on the schedule. Austin Powers. Even though it should be the division games, but you know, it's hard to get excited about the commanders or whatever they're going to end up calling themselves. Uh, gosh. Well, we're, well I, hold I, up then. What were his mojo games for this previous season? It would certainly have to be the Green Bay game. Austin Powers. Yeah, that didn't go well. That was on NFL Network the other day, and I watched it. You know, it should have been that Jacksonville game. That is the game. That's the most important game of the season. It's wild that, the, that it ends up there. Yeah, but going in, I don't think he really looked at it. He would look at it that way. I'm thinking about for him personally that he would take a game. Oh, going Green into Bay. it now. Yeah. yeah, Green Bay by far. And then I guess the rematch against San Francisco in the playoffs. Of course. And then I guess maybe uh, the Eagles games because that was, that was their you know biggest division rival. So if that's the case, out of those four games, they won one. For sure, the Eagles game Thanksgiving night or Thanksgiving afternoon, you know, definitely yeah, for sure. super heated. What a ton though, like, you know, that jumped out at you at the time. Like even like, and maybe we should have already been taking the Bengals seriously. Maybe we were, but that was a Cooper Rush game. Yeah, I mean, last year was weird, man. Just the way things got going, Dak getting hurt in week one. It, it, going from thinking the season's over for a few weeks to going, uh, it's not, he's back and we'll be fine, and Cooper Rush tread water, and here's a contrived fake quarterback debate. Like, it was, last year well, was we, nuts. When you say it that way, it is kind of funny to think, like, it's one of those deals where if I just told you certain things, there's no way you'd have them at 12 wins. Like, I tell you that they lose at Green Bay, blow, blow a, you know, double-digit lead second half, same thing with Jacksonville, get blown out by a not good Redskin or Commanders team at the end of the year, and you lose Dak for four games right off the rip, like there's no way you would say they'd win 12 games. This team didn't score 30 points until the last game of October, October 30th, and then they went 49, 28, 40, 28, 54, 27, 34, 40, 27. Like, dude, those games that Cooper Rush was quarterback and the Cowboys are going to score about 20 points. <laughs> and they got to a point where they're doing way more than that. God, last year was crazy. That, there's a big – that's. I mean, look, I know, maybe it's just like August 7th as we record this and I'm in full football, you know, football pants mode. <laughs> but thinking ahead to those games on the schedule and go, man, you know McCarthy is going to be geared up for that one. And you know that Chargers game is going to be one of them. You brought Kellen Moore into this without even me taking it there. That's impressive. Sorry, five games oh. without Dak. My bad. I slapped on this yeah. whole thing. Um, uh, Jalen Tolbert, a rookie from 2022, getting like where would you say he's going to land? I know they released the depth chart. Are we talking about what's your four, five, six? Has he looked okay? What do you have on him? Yeah, as of right now, I'd say he's their four. Uh, Simi Fajoko hasn't done nearly enough to even make that a competition there. So I would say next up would be Cavante Turpin and probably the rookie Jalen Brooks um, has looked pretty good. So because of that, 
And I think just Tolbert, like, it's not like he's out here making a ton of just like wow catches or anything like that, but he's just been really solid, you know, making the catches he's supposed to make. He seems like he's in the right spots that he's supposed to be in, in the new offense. And then you just, anytime you bring up his name to any of the coaching staff, they, they got a lot of praise for him. So yeah, I would, I'd have to say that he's got four pretty locked up right now. Now, of course, this is going off of training camp. This is going off of OTAs and minicamp. You go out there in a preseason game, line up in the wrong spot, line up offsides like in Green Bay, drop some easy passes and stuff like that. Well, then, you know, now all of a sudden you're really thinking, okay, maybe they don't have a, a really four that they can count on. But everything we've seen up to this point, Jalen Tolbert looks like he's certainly ready for that role. Yeah, I think there's a, there's some element of, well, first of all, there's a low bar for him to clear. I mean, it, it doesn't get too much it doesn't get too much worse than what he was last year um in terms of not even being able to crack the active roster and stuff like that but um you know i i think the the two guys that you know john mentioned uh just now that you'd really view in competition for the number four uh simi Pahoko and uh and tolbert i mean just look at today i thought i thought today was if you're really trying to illustrate it in a nutshell Dak's best pass of the day today was a deep ball to Simi Fajoko where he got past Stephon Gilmore and Dak put it right in the bread basket and Fajoko dropped it. Um, so that was Fajoko. Now on the other side, Tolbert ran a quick slant, a very simple route, very, you know, very fundamental. Stephon Gilmore draped all over him on his back. Dak puts it right where it needs to be. and Tolbert catches it, comes down with it. So when you talk about at least doing the basic things right. I mean, that's against Stephon Gilmore. They're probably their number one cover corner, right? So, you know, doing making the right play, making the catch, coming down with it. I think Tolbert's doing a lot of that. And um, I think Jalen Brooks, again, probably a little bit, um, you know, as, as I've dubbed it before, the Lance Lenore syndrome. But, um, you know, Brooks has had a really good camp. And I would, you know, I, I, I missed the first week, but I would say – probably put Brooks over Fajoko as well um, in terms of how they've looked. Now, Dak seems to have a very – Dak seems to be very fond of Simi Fajoko. So, I, you know, there, I think there's something to that. But, um, but other than that, I would say uh, Tolbert looks good. And also, uh, one thing that a lot of people – and I know McCarthy has talked about this on multiple occasions, but I've even talked to a few different players – and they bring up Jalen Tolbert's preparation off the field a lot. Like McCarthy has brought up his notebook and how how detailed his notebook is and stuff. But I've even talked to other players and and you know talked to other young guys, other um, other young guys uh, pass catching. Whether I you know it was Deuce Vaughn the other day and and other guys, and they all talk about how Jalen Tolbert knows his assignment and knows other people. He just has to apply this stuff now. So. Um, you know, another guy that I'll really be interested to see in the preseason. And, and and the other thing at wide receiver, you know, you'll see tweets or see highlights and stuff. Some of these other guys making plays and some of these other receivers have made plays, but they haven't been consistent enough to where I'd put them on Jalen Tolbert's level. And when I talk about guys like that, I'm talking about Dennis Houston, Jalen Moreno Cropper, Jose Barbone, uh, David Durden, Tyron Johnson, Dontario Drummond. Like, yeah, there'll be, there'll be times where they'll make a play here or there. But not enough where you'd be like, well, are they in contention for you know where Tolbert's at, or even Cavante Turpin or or Jalen Brooks? And I would say no. There's there's a there's a gap there. And I would say if Mike McCarthy knocked on my door right now and said, hey, I'm going to let you pick 
what receivers are making this roster, it'd be the obvious three uh, starters. And then my next three would be Jalen Tolbert, Cavante Turpin, and Jalen Brooks. And and I think that if they were doing their 53 right now, I think they would agree with me. Last thing before we get out of here, um, uh, on the athletic football show, Robert Mays and Nate Tice were kicking around the idea that the Cowboys could have the number one defense in football. Now, those are, you know, you can look at different metrics for that and things like that. Um, I always love the very simple points per game, but I think you could throw in a lot of different things when it comes into that. And uh, I don't think it's crazy to think this team could have the number one offense and defense in football. Um, it's, again, depending on what you're going off of there, very, very possibly a top five offense and defense in football. And I I don't know, I think the defensive is only going to improve. Seeing some of the things, John, you were writing in your piece about Stephon Gilmore even, uh, C.D. Lamb's quotes on him was really impressive. And it's nothing new. Like We kind of knew that about Stephon Gilmore, but just when you hear it from C.D. Lamb, it hits a little harder. So I don't know what you guys think about the idea of the potential of this team being the number one defensive football. Yeah, I told Saad the other day that, you know, there's a part of when you're writing – at this time of year, you're also like, well, these are some stories that we could be looking back on if the season is a huge success. You know, we'll look back to training camp, this thing and whatever. And I was saying how I could really see if this team had a ton of success, made a deep playoff run, got to the Super Bowl, how much we would be looking back on that, you know, few days where they did those trades for Brandon Cooks and, and Stefan Gilmore, because you, like you mentioned, you're hearing all the leadership stuff about them and all that stuff's off the charts with both those guys. And, and But just how they've shown up in training camp and how well they've played. I mean, Stefan Gilmore and Brandon Cooks, are those are two of the best players out here day in and day out. This is not like they're just getting a couple of old guys. They're just like, yeah, they're, the, the game's kind of passed them by, but they'll be good veteran leaders in the locker room and they can play like a little bit. No, no, no. These guys are both going to be major contributors. And so to go back to what you're saying about the defense, obviously that – focuses more with Gilmore and he just shores up such a big area that was a weakness last year. And then the other being the run defense, you go out and get Mozzie, resign Jonathan Hankins. There are no holes on this defense and there's pretty good depth on this defense. And you got to keep Dan Quinn around the continuity from a defense that's been building year after year. That doesn't happen that much in the NFL. Usually free agency happens. Uh, you know, you lose coordinators because if you have success on defense, those coordinators become head coaches to keep the continuity that they've been able to have with several of these players now, three years now going with Dan Quinn and Micah and Trayvon Diggs and J. Ron Curse and Layton and Demarcus Lawrence. And then now you add in a veteran like Gilmore and they've just, there's not any real glaring holes there in a league where in the salary cap era, you're not going to have these big dominant defenses very I mean the Cowboys aren't going to have this defense that long. It's not, not they're not going to be able to keep this whole thing together. Like you know once you once you sign Micah it's going to be really hard to go out and make any deals for any other notable players after you sat there and gave new contracts to Donovan Wilson and Trayvon Diggs and Molly Cooker. I mean so you they're just in such a position to just strike right now that there's no reason why people should shy away from saying the possibility of them being the best defense in the league. When you said about the offense being top five, um, it to me isn't even about Dak or the new scheme, McCarthy Complays. Tell me how healthy the offensive line is, and I'll tell you how good this offense can be. But that to me is a huge question mark right now. Yeah, I think I think for me on offense, you know, I know we're talking defense. So I'll make it quick. For me, I, I yeah, maybe they can be a top five offense, but you know, 
number one, I mean, you know, I think that comes back to the quarterback. And, and for me, you know, anything with Mahomes or Burrow is kind of where that, that stuff is going to start. Um, but but to, the, to our actual point about the defense, there's no weak – not only is there no weakness, but there – you know, we were, we were joking earlier about fantasy football and, and, and how much of an overload. That, like, it's an embarrassment of riches. And if you follow – I mean, obviously, you follow John on Twitter. Um, you know, he tweeted a photo the other day of, of uh, Gilmore and Diggs on the sideline, and you see – you see just the the off the field um, leadership of Gilmore. Like he's there. That, that that picture that John took. I mean, Gilmore was there talking to Diggs for like five, ten minutes, just on the sideline. Um, you know, explaining things to him. You can see just the hand gestures, all that stuff. And you know, you, you saw the quote about how CD said that you know he knows the routes and is helping him like that as well. All those things are are very um, very encouraging. And remember. Jordan Lewis, who I I'm a believer in Jordan Lewis. I I think I think Jordan Lewis is a good player if used in the right role. Um, I don't think he needs to go out there and be your starting corner, but um, but but when he's your what fourth, fifth best corner or something like that, that's a really good secondary. You, uh, that's a really good, not even secondary because now safeties are a whole different thing. But you talk about you know Gilmore, Diggs, Deron Bland, and Jordan Lewis. Like that's a really good crop of corners you have there too. Um, Israel Mukuamu, who can you know do a little bit of both, and then we talked about the safeties. You look at linebacker, and you know Micah uh, the other day when we talked to him uh, said something to the effect of like Leighton is like the most important player on the defense. Obviously, Micah being and speaking in superlatives, but like, but still the fact that Leighton has that kind of impact, and um, you know, John mentioned uh, uh, Overshone being a standout like there's just so much on this defense that you know if defense wins championships this is truly the best chance the Cowboys have had at a championship in a very long time yeah on the latent thing that is I understand what where Michael was talking about on that too because it's one he's your clear number one best linebacker but he's also the guy that's getting everybody lined up he's the one with the radio in his helmet and we've seen in previous years when he's gone out, like even last year, there was a significant drop in that defense, you know, um, because when he comes out, then someone else has to call those plays. And that puts something else on somebody else's plate, whether that's J. Ron Curse or somebody else, and maybe doesn't allow them to play as free as, as they're used to playing. And so I do think Leighton is a more valuable piece than most people probably think. And of course, he's not as valuable as Micah and, and some other but if you were to lose him, I think it would be a, a pretty significant blow because I do like the upside of Damone Clark and DeMarvion Overshone. I don't know if they're ready to step in right now immediately and like lead the defense. Maybe they are. I mean, hey, it's NFL is you get thrown in you know the fire and you got to prove yourself. But um, I think that they would be in 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 a little bit of trouble if they were to lose Layton for an extended period of time. Well, guys, um, we appreciate your coverage out there as always. We'll. Uh, Keep our, checking out your work over here on The Athletic um, and following you on X. It's still <laughs> Twitter to me. It will always be Twitter to me. Um, obviously, Cowboys Jags on Saturday. And we will um, catch up for another uh, podcast uh, next week, I believe. Maybe we'll get some full-on season uh, you know, predictions, take a look around the league as well, depending on what happens in Cowboys camp uh, over the next seven to ten days. Uh, For Father John Mishota, 
for Saad Yusuf. For our producer, Kent Garrison, I'm Kevin Turner. And we'll uh, talk to you next time on About Them Cowboys. Austin Powers. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.